You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by fredsbs.com. That's breads and spreads by Fred. Guys, we are well into the fall season, so if you haven't gotten yourself some treats yet, uh, what are you waiting for? Go ahead and treat yourself. fredsbs.com has brownies and brownies i don't know what brownies are but brownies and blondies and jams oh my there's so many good things on his website so whether you want to get somebody some brown sugar buddies which are these really delicious cookies or if you want to get some seasonal pie which he does for local people uh those are all things you can get to treat yourself or to treat other people during this fall season and guys as we mentioned last time he has changed up the way he has done orders so now instead of going to the website to place your orders instead go ahead and send fred an email at fstevens.management at gmail.com that's f-s-t-e-p-h-e-n-s dot management at gmail.com so instead of going to the website send fred an email and use the coupon code no love lost in the subject line and you'll get your 20 percent discount And if you're looking for other ways to support us, go to the Podcast Jukebox Network and buy yourself some No Love Lost merchandise uh, where you can get No Love Lost t-shirts and Crazy About Kurt t-shirts. So guys, go to fredsbs.com, go to the Podcast Jukebox Network, and if you haven't already done so, go to iTunes or Podbean and leave a comment and review uh, because we love hearing from you guys and you guys are the best and they brighten up my day. So, uh, once again, just thank you so, so much for supporting us, and thank you so, so much for listening. On that note, Michelle, if you would be so kind. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears. There was a crash, and there are others, and there are numbers, and it all means something supposedly, but even had to go back go back where i don't i don't really remember that's actually a good question (laughs) i'm not sure but i know we have to get there okay okay maybe i don't know do you know any eccentric outdoorsmen or women who who might be able to show us the way no okay well i i mean i guess Instead of going back to where it is we should be going back to, we could go back to a television show. Yeah, we could do that. Okay, okay, okay. It's exciting. It's also, like, a lot less work than having to actually go somewhere. And we could do a whole podcast about it. Do you think so? Do you think people would listen to that? They're listening right now. What? Welcome back. (laughs) I don't know what any of that was. Welcome back. To No Love Lost, the podcast where we go back to the island, <laughs> go back and watch the hit television series Lost. Uh, I'm Will Link, and with me as always... Megan Salinas, hey everybody. And we are here to talk about 
uh, <laughs> season two. Season two. Did your memory really escape you? I was looking at it on the paper too, and I couldn't say it. Will, you have to remember. Think hard. You have to remember, Will. If I had someone like Libby helping me remember things, oh, <laughs> uh, we have to go back. Season two, episode fifteen, maternity leave. Something that. Uh, you know, we should give more time and money towards Absolutely. in this country. As we live in a society <laughs> that definitely needs to get its act together when it comes to maternity and paternity care. That's another issue entirely that we shouldn't go into. <laughs> and but. this is the episode that's about Claire's missing time for nearly... For nearly over... A season now. Yeah, at because least like, half what? this season and I would say... Half of last season? She she showed up again, like, right around this time last season. Because she went, like, missing, like, episode 14 or something last season. Showed back up again, like, two or three episodes later. Um, And then, yeah, she's had amnesia ever since. So, like, a full season at this point. So this is her. We finally fill in the gaps of Claire's missing time. Uh, It is written by... Uh, Don, uh, it was written by Don Lambertson and Kelly and Matt Raganetti. Okay, so it's got three writers then. Yep. Okay. Kelly okay. and Matt Raganetti. <laughs> and it is directed by the great Lost director Jack Bender. Ah, nice. Yeah, they did some interesting <laughs> editing things this time around. There were, because we were really getting into these flashes of these flashes of memory and they try to 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 edit those sequences in a way that if you had fragmented memory how it might be hitting you you know something i always appreciate about jack bender episodes is one they are always really well directed but two i also don't think he necessarily marries himself to a particular style um, so yes. that you can do stuff like this kind of crazy editing that we have in this episode um, because of the, the structure of this episode, our structure, I think, will be a little different. Kind of like when we did, I think it was the Charlie episode where he was having visions. Like dreams incorporated into yeah. his memories. So this is going to be more straightforward through the storyline because the flashbacks here are flashbacks of the island flashbacks to memory she's yeah, having this it. is this is the first time we flash back to the island which is something that the show will yeah. run with later on yeah this is what we're just gonna have yeah all the flashbacks take place on the island we have to go back no we don't <laughs> and the opening scene you know baby aaron has a fever and the only prescription is, is cowboy we- cowbell Cowbell? Weird Dharma medicine? <laughs> Question mark? Weird things that the others keep in vials? Um, baby aspirin. I don't, I don't know. Uh, what do you... I know nothing about how to care for children. That's one of the reasons why I'm not a parent yet. <laughs> because it's like, if they're sick, what do I do? I don't know what to do when I get sick, Will. How am I supposed to take care of a, a, a tiny human? <laughs> you want to know what? You want to know what the secret is? What? Nobody knows. Even the parents. 
<laughs> nobody knows how, nobody knows by the way this isn't just a secret to parenting it's a secret to literally everything in life <laughs> nobody, nobody knows. knows what to do jack bender you think jack bender knew what he was doing he's just like well we just gotta go with it we just got to we have to just go with the camera and hope for the best <laughs> literally everyone in the world is faking it until they make it and some are just better at faking it than others. Will, is that what the book The Secret is about? Is <laughs> I haven't that? I haven't read it, no. but is that what it's about? <laughs> well, now, okay, I know we're going to get, and after this, I promise we'll just push forward into the episode. But I once worked uh, for a television network, and, uh, not necessarily the one that you're thinking of, Megan, but I worked for this television network. I know not of what you speak. And I had to work some overnight shifts, and there was a security guard. I would see this guy. And it would be basically just me and him in the building. And he was big on, like, the secret. And he would always be like, hey, hey. <laughs> he was big on this idea of you visualize it, and it'll just happen. <laughs> and I would, he once made me, like, read this, read this. And I read something. And he goes, you know what that means? That means if you think about something, it'll happen. He's like, for example, I went to the store. I was driving home, and I was like, oh, no, I forgot butter. Ah, and I just kept thinking about butter. And then I got home, and I opened the fridge. <laughs> Stop. I swear to God. Stop. He goes, and there was, it gets better. And he goes, he goes, and there was butter. And then he looks at me, and he goes, now, just imagine if I did that with gold. <laughs> to which I said to him, why don't you? And he was like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. I said, I don't know. Just think, gold, 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 gold. about money <laughs> and it would come to me <laughs> think about your groceries <laughs> uh, now are we sure that this guy isn't like like a character that popped out of a stephen king novel and that's his very one specific he power can manifest butter no 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 no! oh my gosh will you talk to the real life walt he imagined butter and it manifested into his fridge <laughs> that's the <a> real <laughs> secret <laughs> So, <laughs> baby, Sorry. baby, Aaron's got Very, a fever. Um, which BTW? We should make a, a note. It is important to vaccinate your kids. Vaccinate yes. your kids. And that's the thing on the side. The kids not getting vaccinated. They don't got vaccines. They got a bunch of coconuts and shit. So yeah, that's no good. So, but Claire's like, my baby's got a fever. I gotta bring the baby to Jack. And Locke is like, well. <laughs> Can I just, I, I know we haven't really brought it up before, but it, I didn't think about it until this episode. Isn't it kind of weird that Locke has sort of found himself in this protector position for Claire and baby Aaron, when back in season one, she had that like foreshadowing dream of him with the black eyes. That's true. I do think that's very interesting. So I was like, what? 
what was the game plan here? Like, obviously, that was meant to foreshadow his eventual slide into darkness. But, like, how much of this did they already have in mind when they gave her that dream? You know? I don't know. That's, maybe maybe they didn't yeah, have it planned I mean, maybe out they knew that they were going to turn Locke at some point. But, um... Spoilers. Um, but... <laughs> oh, yeah, we forgot to give our spoiler warning. BTW, if this is your first episode of our podcast, we spoil the whole series. Hope you already kind of figured that out by now. <laughs> but he, at this point, he just doesn't want her going out of the hatch because they've got uh, Ben, I mean Henry, Henry, locked down there. Which, that's uh, not a sustainable plan for too, too long, as they point out later in the episode. Yeah, and we'll get to that in the B story. But, uh, meanwhile... You know, Rousseau pops up out of nowhere. Which I love Kate's reaction to Rousseau showing back up. Because it's, like, I kind of picture her, like, you know when, like, pet owners get really annoyed with their <laughs> with their animals and they come out with a squirt bottle and they go, hey, hey, shoo, get out, get out. And they spray them with the spray That's bottle. Kate's attitude That's Kate's attitude. <laughs> for those listeners who also went to see Lost, uh, the musical... We had Stephen Brandon on for. Oh, it was so fun. For those listeners, there's a running gag in that thing where Rousseau just pops up <laughs> and out of nowhere all the time. And this is an episode where she does that a lot. Where she, Rousseau's just always popping up. She pops up and the audience goes wild and gives her the fanfare that she deserves because she's a fan favorite. What I really loved about the way she's portrayed in Lost the Musical is that you can definitely tell that, you know, Stephen and everybody else involved with it, that they love her character. Yeah. And so she gets fanfare in that in that show that she doesn't really get in the show proper. So yeah, every time I see her, I picture you know, popping up in this show, I picture the crowd going wild. Um, but she basically comes in as like the baby's infected. Mm, which we know every time Rousseau talks about infections, maybe steer clear. <laughs> but we also know that there was an infection. Yeah. But. But we don't know the details. We, and we also don't know that for sure yet. Yeah, and we also know that Rousseau killed everyone who was infected. And we also know. <laughs> And then, and then... <laughs> and we also know that babies get sick, as Jack points out. All the out. time. Yeah. They are germ are... magnets. Um, and Claire starts to have these flashes. And one of the flashes is of someone with some sort of vaccine, some uh, a needle, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and These she... were like some... Um... Oh, gosh, what's the movie? Uh... Oh, gosh. Um, that one movie about the drugs where it's like all the quick editing. And Requiem for a Dream. That's the one. <laughs> I was like, it's na- there's a song. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Yeah, it's some Requiem for a Dream editing for sure. But what happens is uh, we also get a glimpse of a girl, a young girl, who is like, you're going to, like, we got to get, 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 get out of here. You got to get out of here. Like, who is this now? Let's just cut to the chase here. This is Alex. Now. And Alex is Rousseau's daughter. daughter. And This is where we find out who her child is. Yeah. that The fact that her child is still alive. Still alive. Also, I'd like to say, good casting. Absolutely. They look very much alike. 
Um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the actress's name who plays Alex. But she, uh, I remember when she popped up on this show, what I had known her from was Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, she was in Malcolm in the Middle. Um, hold on, I, I'm looking it up. Um, so Claire's starting to get these visions, and she's worried. She's worried about everything Rousseau said, as you would be your mother, your baby sick, oh. you're on an island. Tanya Raimonde. I believe is how you pronounce her name. There you go. Well, like she, uh, as you pointed out, excellent casting. I mean, it looks She's perfect. just like, I mean, it looks like her daughter. It yeah, looks like absolutely. It would be her daughter. They look like family. Um, so Claire's getting panicky, and she decides to go to Libby, who's a clinical psychologist. You're a shrink, right? Yeah. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. And Libby points out the idea, like, you... It's not that you have amnesia necessarily, but these memories are gone. Like, you're blocking them. Yeah. You are, because something traumatic happened, and you are, like, kind of a self-preservation yeah. it's, thing. It's the difference between receiving brain damage and going through an emotionally traumatic event to the point where, yeah, that part of your brain just shuts off to protect itself. And she does, like, kind of this therapy with Libby. And in it, she has a more fuller vision. Yeah. A memory, I She gets say. a full-on flashback. Which, uh, this is one of the few times where it's like, we know for certain that we are seeing what the character is seeing when we are looking at a flashback. Yes. Like, um, because... As we've pointed out, when it depending on the episode, sometimes we feel like we're in the character's perspective, like we're absolutely going through what's going through their head at the moment. And then other times we're like, this kind of feels like it's just there to inform us. Yeah. It, it honestly depends on the episode. This is one where it's absolutely, this is what she's going through. And she's there. And at first, I mean, you don't know. I mean, you should know, but... You don't know. She seems like she's in the doctor's office. And maybe it is back in Australia. You don't know. You don't know where it is. Because they're not showing us the face of that. But then you start to quickly realize because you see Dharma logos on things. And then you're like, ah, I see what's going on here. And you can almost predict the exact face that we're going to see when it finally pans up to the doctor. And it is. The doctor is... Ethan. William Maypother. William Maypother, Tom Cruise's cousin. Uh, Ethan, the scariest lost character. Which around. is so funny because even though he's friggin' terrifying, it's so funny to see him put on this nice face. And... Now let me ask you this about Ethan in this episode. Mm -hmm. Do you think that... I mean, Ethan's a bad guy. He kidnapped a pregnant woman... He strung up Charlie. Nearly killed and Charlie. And they're going to take her baby from her. Do you think the affection Ethan shows for Claire in this episode is genuine? Do you think he has genuine, like... I think that Claire has the... There's a, there's a lot that's charming about Claire. <clears throat> And something that we'll touch on a little later, like, even Sawyer's got a soft spot for Claire because of her inherent goodness. Um, and that's something that, you know, the psychic brings up, too. She is an inherently good person. Like, 
you know how you just meet certain people and there's just a light about yeah. them? She's one of those people that I think if you were to meet her in person, you would feel that warmth and that light. And I think Ethan is a monster. He's clearly a sociopath, but or not necessarily a sociopath, but he's definitely committed to the others and you know their their agenda and the way they do things he's clearly committed to them and their community and their way of life so maybe sociopath isn't the right word because sociopath means that you are divorced from empathy. from empathy um so i think he's just kind of a true believer um, and, which means he has no issue going to the extremes that he goes to, like attempting to murder Charlie and beating up the doctor and everything like that. I think that there is some genuine affection for Claire because, again, it's hard to resist somebody who has that sort of charisma, even when she's in this kind of inebriated state. That being said, he's also openly manipulating her yeah. at every turn. So while he might be like, oh, this girl's kind of cute. Like, this is so fun. Like, she's so sweet. Like, at the end of the day, he has an objective, and he's going to, he's going to fulfill that objective no matter what. So even if he, like, I believe him when he says, I'm going to miss you, Claire. Because, like, that line of questioning brings up a lot of, like, lies that he then has to, to spin her way. But, like, that moment in particular when he's like, I'm going to miss you, seemed to be genuine. Yeah. I mean, and, yeah. like, you also get the the idea, too, that he doesn't necessarily want to do what they end up deciding that they need to do, which is cut her open. Like, I don't think he necessarily wants to do that because he's like, come on, man. Like, that's not cool. And she's, uh, it's, like you said, it's hard not to be sympathetic for this young woman pregnant you know not doesn't have anyone else like he he is like if he didn't care he'd just keep her locked up in a cage but like he shows her the baby room where her baby's going to be and he takes her outside so she can get some sunlight and like so granted those might just be things like it's like hey it's a good idea for the the pregnant lady to get some exercise and to keep her calm and you know generally speaking in a good mood but like I don't know. I feel like there is some genuine affection there. But that being said, if, like, Ben or Mr. Friendly turned to Ethan and said, okay, we need you to pull a, put a bullet in between this woman's eyes, he'd be like, oh, man, that sucks, but okay. Yeah, he would still do it. Yeah. Um, We see, uh, after she gets a shot from him, Claire kind of breaks out of whatever weird Libby trance she's in. And she she starts freaking out. She believes that she has to go get this medicine or whatever, or her baby is going to get this infection, die. Because they're talking to her about infections. They're talking to her about... Yeah, um, which, if I, I'll be honest, I don't remember. I know that there's some issue with women being unable to give birth on the island, but I don't remember how that ties into the idea of people getting infected in the way that Rousseau talked about it. Well, I think it's, later, it's different. Later on down the it's, way. It's different. And I think the infe- I, 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 the others don't think that 
they're staving off some infection, I think, in this baby. They're all concerned about fertility. They are, they're, ba they're baby obsessed. Okay, so it's just, it's them using certain terminology that just happens to line up with what ties into Russo's paranoia. So it's all just a coincidence then? Well, I mean... I'm just, I'm just trying is, to get out, like, continuity-wise. I'm trying to figure out what's and what. And again, it's, it's been a while. It's going to be years till we get there. But <laughs> in season... In You're... season six, we do see people get infected, but it's all based on, you know, the smoke monster. Mm -hmm. It's all based on, on the man in black. And the others obviously know about this, but getting a shot's not going to cure you from that. <laughs> it's not like, you know. That shouldn't stop you from getting vaccinated. You know, it's <laughs> at my, uh, you know, I got my office. They got flu shots and they got man in black shots. <laughs> you get man in I black shots? I get man in black shots every year, once a year. <sighs> Does Jacob administer them? Is that uh, how that yeah. works? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does he give you some eternity water? <laughs> Benjamin Linus administers them. No, yeah. do not trust that. You're going to so, be like, Jacob told you to do this, right? And he's going to be like, yes, that is exactly what he asked me to do. Because I speak for Jacob. And you can totes trust me. Will, Will, look at me when I talk to you. You can totes trust me, Henry Gale, your <laughs> friend. That's a pretty creepy... <laughs> That's a creepy, pretty creepy Ben. <laughs> I don't want to look at you. You're like, no. <laughs> Hard um, pass. <laughs> so, they're going to march off into the jungle. They're going to try mm -hmm. to find this this um, uh, 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 hatch, Which this Dharma she's station. Like, I've got to get to the bottom of this mystery. Who can help me? So, Kate. <laughs> Goes to Sawyer and is like, Sawyer, uh, you gotta give me a gun. You don't get to ask why. And, and Sawyer, he's like, you're hilarious. Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna ask why. <laughs> I like. I really liked this scene. This was so. Much it was fun. a good scene, and it's another scene of why we what we like about Sawyer. Because here's the thing. Sawyer is, and the last time we saw Sawyer was crushing a frog with yeah, his bare hands, like a monster. <laughs> but. It is like night and day, honestly, between Honest what we saw at the end of the last episode and what, how we see him well, here. But weirdly, the fact that like Sawyer gives Kate shit, and then when he finds out that it's kind of in service of Claire and the baby and stuff, he relents and gives her a gun. It, it The fact that we see these moments of where he's kind of an asshole, and then we see him melt immediately, yeah. I think that helps reinforce how good he is yeah. and how much we like you know, him good this, the, again this was classic Sawyer right here it like it's almost like the last couple episodes I don't want to say that they didn't happen but it's it's almost like that it verifies that the last couple episodes were him were basically him putting on an act um, because you know once she actually you know does bother to tell him like what it's for and what you know the fact that claire's gonna go out no matter what even you know with or without her um and he's and tells him that like she's convinced that this is to get medicine for the baby 
it, like he huh. immediately. Hell, I got medicine. Yeah, he immediately. This is why Josh Holloway's performance is so good. Is he immediately goes into, well, I got medicine. If the baby needs medicine, I'm going to give you the medicine. Like yeah, you so don't fuck around with the adults. He's not fucking around with a baby. No, no, he's not gonna. He's not gonna mess around with the baby. And we've known since season one. For some reason, we. We don't know why, and it's not necessarily a romantic thing, but for some reason, Sawyer has a soft spot for Claire. And I, again, I don't know if that's just because of her inherent goodness, if he's got a little bit of a crush on her, or, like, again, I wish that the, the series had played around with the fact that this is Jack's little sister. I wish that they had played around with that a little bit more, because I do think it is interesting that both of Jack's major rivals care about his little sister, like, quite a bit. More than Jack More does. than Jack does! Because he's constantly, like, being, oh my gosh, Claire, like, ugh, you're being paranoid, stop it, leave me alone! <laughs> I'm going to my room! Mom, Claire's bothering me! <laughs> so now... But yeah, it, like I said, just this whole scene was super sweet. And yeah, he totally relents. And Josh Holloway's performance with it is so, so good. And he's like, okay, Kate, what do you need? So they're going to march off in the jungle. That means somebody has to watch Aaron. She gives Aaron to Sun. Mm. And Sun <laughs> is very critical. Sun basically says uh, a mother should not leave her child. And Claire <laughs> And Claire hits back with Clap back. Yeah. It's it's are you a mother? Oh snap. And son isn't, so she has to be like, no. Now, Will. Will. Will Will Will. Yes. I have to ask you, this scene. It's just a small scene. It's not a big deal. No. But like what was your reaction when you hear son say a mother should not leave their child all alone? Well, <laughs> my reaction was in a few seasons, You're son's going to be eating those words. <laughs> I, no joke, I, I was listening, you know, I was watching this episode, I had my headphones in because it was one of those things where I was watching it on my lunch break. I literally laughed out loud at my cubicle. I laughed out loud in my cubicle. Because, I mean, the thing is, it's, to me, one of the... one of the bigger, like, suspensions of disbelief I've had to do with the show <laughs> is the way Sun and Jin are about their child. Yes. However... Their future child, we should point out. Yes. However, you could argue that maybe they did have to leave their child at that point, and that son learned a lesson from Claire here. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was funny. This is one of those instances where, um, you know, it works as good foreshadowing if you don't know that the fact that we're going to be dealing with a pregnancy storyline with son in the, in the coming season. It's good foreshadowing. If you have knowledge of the rest of the series, however, this moment comes off as exceedingly laughable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is the end of my statement on this scene, was just that I laughed and laughed and laughed. 
<laughs> so we get around this point, we get another flashback. Mm-hmm. And this is when Ethan, and you already talked about this a little bit, Ethan's like, we got a surprise for you. Yeah, did, uh, do you have a different opinion um, than, than what I said? No, I think, you're, I think you're right. I, I, think, I, th- I do think Ethan has a genuine, uh, I don't think it's all for show. Yeah. I think Ethan genuinely is like, you know. I mean, they also don't get a lot of pregnant women. No, So no. it's almost like she's a bit of a novelty. Yeah. And he's, I think he, everyone's going to be nicer to her and have a genuine feeling of warmth around because they're not around a lot of babies. They're not yeah, around a lot of I pregnant mean, women. There is just this kind of elation that people around, you know, when there's a baby on the way, there is kind of an elation that people get. Right before you got here, I was on the phone with my friend who's got a baby on the way. Oh my gosh! Baby, uh, supposed to be born a week ago. Oh no! So, so now she's just waiting. <laughs> now it's a time it's like, bomb. Yeah, any minute. It's a ticking now. clock, man. <laughs> That's so wonderful, though. Like, yeah, don't you feel that? Like, I'm excited for this baby. It's not even my baby. I'm excited <laughs> for the baby. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, I think the important thing to emphasize is even if he is human in that he has feelings for this person that has come, that he has kidnapped, let's be real, like, um, at the end of the day, like, they will not hesitate to discard her when she is no longer useful. And that's what we need to keep in mind is like, even though he's clearly human, he won't hesitate to do something terrible if he feels like it's necessary. And that's what we need to remind ourselves. He's still a monster. <laughs> so he walks down this like real dank hallway, and Claire's like peeking around. Like, she's kind of out of it because she's clearly heavily drugged throughout this whole thing and she's like mm-hmm, like looking around but he brings her this nice little nursery which is kind of cute so, like it's it has this undercurrent of menace but because it is like she's like looking at like oh look at these nice things for my baby like it's also it's simultaneously like kind of cute and kind of horrifying there's a oceanic airplane <laughs> mobile which is kind of morbid. <laughs> and it's playing, uh, it's playing Catch a Fall, Catch a Falling Star, and put it in your pocket. Has that song been referenced in this show before? I don't remember. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. So, all of a sudden they're interrupted by a beardless... Mr. Friendly. Now, I think this is the moment where we fully we fully realize, because earlier in this season, when I was ranting about how the others looked like bog people and how much I hated that, like, because it wasn't how they, they were, it's not how they actually are. Well, it's performative. That's the thing. This is the first indication that we really get that, like, it is performative. Because, yeah, he's clean. He looks like he's taking a shower. <laughs> yeah, he's wearing a normal shirt. He doesn't have a giant, bushy, like, mountain man beard. And, uh... Which, BTW, like, oh, man, how much would that suck and be like, okay, we have to go and, like, wander the jungle now for a little while as part of our, like, method acting thing. I guess it's time to roll around in the dirt for a bit. How much would that suck? The others were just an improv troupe. (laughs) They're committed to the bit. (laughs) And all they wanted was, uh, was, uh... Jack and Sawyer and all of them to come see their UCB 
101 graduation show. So during the hunting party, when they have everyone captured and they're, you know, they're surrounded and got all the torches lit up, he's like, well, Jack, what we need from you, you know, this is all just a misunderstanding. What we need from you is your guns and a suggestion from our audience. Somebody, (laughs) one of you, name an occupation. There's a lot of there is a lot of yes and going on in the with the others. For sure, for sure. Um so <laughs> So what happens is look, here's the thing. You live in LA, you got any sort of friends, you've had to go to a lot of bad improv shows. You know what? I will defend I've been to quite a few good improv shows. I've been to some good ones too. I yeah. went. I go to um a pretty regularly. Uh, not as much anymore because who has the time? But um, in the improv theater has a lot of really good long form narrative improv shows. Uh, they are really really fun. And right now they're kind of doing like a Shining parody, um, for for the month of October. A lot of fun. If you live in Los Angeles, go check out the improv theater. They're they're a hoot. Um, I've been, it's been suggested (laughs) by many people that I take improv classes solely to maybe meet women. (laughs) And I feel like that's a lot of work that I don't want to have to do. There are other ways to meet girls. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. I've taken an improv class. I took intro to improv at the uh, Groundlings. Well, Mr. (laughs) Friendly teaches a class at the... No, no, he, but he... Um, now, is he, it intermediary? A, yeah. Like, would I have to take a couple more levels of improv yeah. to, like, get to Mr. Friendly's level? Well, <laughs> maybe not Mr. Friendly's level, but maybe the mysterious him he's talking about because Ooh. he, him and Ethan get into it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. About, like, oh, you shouldn't have taken her. And he's like, they knew I was... I he's was. like, this is not how it was supposed to go down, but, Ethan. But Ethan points out they had figured him out he had no choice yeah and i'm gonna go with he had to improvise (laughs) he's like this is what you taught me in our classes mr friendly what else was i supposed to do and he's like what am i supposed to tell him the him which i assume i assume he's talking about about Ben. ben who's like the boss of the others somehow He's um, going to get really mad if we interrupt book club again. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, so this flashback kind of ends and Claire and Kate, they're traipsing through the jungle talking about Rousseau and how Rousseau killed her team and who appears but Rousseau. <laughs> he speak of the devil and he shall appear. And Claire's, instead of getting out her spray bottle <laughs> and Claire starts talking about the memory she has and one of them is a teenage girl and Rousseau's whole demeanor changes because Rousseau knows that her daughter would be a teenager now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that there aren't other babies being born on this island no no so who else could this be but Alex now I do want to point she's out like, Claire bring me to the room I do want to point out that in the previously on, they make a point of Rousseau identifying the gender of her baby. Like, they, they make a point of showing a scene from a previous episode, which I'm pretty sure never existed, where, they, where Rousseau says they took her. They took Alex. And I'm like, hold on a second. 
Alex's gender has been 100% ambiguous up until this point. Are you showing us a scene that you've never shown us and establishing the fact that Alex is a her in a previously on episode when it was never previously on? Is that what they did? They did, at least for the um, streaming version of this episode. Because correct me if I'm wrong, they have not, to this point, identified the gender of Russo's baby. Yeah, I don't know if that's... Well, we got to go back. We got to start watching from the beginning. (laughs) We have to restart the podcast? No, we're not doing that. I'm just caught. I'm just going to call this out as either a continuity error or them like using B-roll footage that got left on the cutting room floor for them to affirmatively identify the gender of the character. I don't know if I could 100% back up that that's true. But also the problem is when I was doing this entire rewatch, in my head I know it's a you girl. You know it's a girl. So. But no, I feel like if we had come to an episode where she affirmatively identified the gender of her baby, we would have mentioned it because they were being purposely ambiguous about it. And Alex is an ambiguous name. Yes, it is. My little brother's name, Alex. And my uh, I had a friend growing up. Who was a girl who was named Alex? It's I a have, gender neutral I name. I have two friends right now that one is a man and one is a woman. They're both named Alex. <laughs> it was actually funny when I was growing up and my my parents were getting ready to have my little brother, and they were like, "We were thinking Alex." I was like, "Guys, you can't name my little brother Alex. I already have a friend named Alex. That's like a- that can't that can't happen." Also, it's a girl's name. <laughs> so. There's also this tense moment where, like, Rousseau's getting very demanding of, as if anybody knows where the hell they're going. Like, bring (laughs) me to this room. And she's getting her face, and Kate pulls a gun on her, and Rousseau's basically like, do it. (laughs) I dare you. I double-dog dare you. So, we get another Do you have murder in your heart, Kate? (laughs) (laughs) So, we get another flashback. And it's Kate, and she's knitting a little booty. You mean Claire. Claire and she's knitting a little <laughs> and she's clearly all getting drugged up again. You know what? I'm kind of jealous. I don't know how to knit sober. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how Claire knows how to knit while inebriated. And they uh, her and Ethan go for a little walk in the jungle and he makes her drink from the canteen which clearly there's something in it because she's like it's sour and he goes oh is it? So hmm. I assumed he had it drugged with something and this is where we really see like the the extent of the manipulation where even though he clearly maybe maybe it's not even affection maybe he's just like man i don't want to kill you like that's a bummer he's like i wish you didn't have to go but there's not enough vaccine (laughs) yeah not for you and the baby and he he tells her that she has choice bull Bullshit, my dude. (laughs) It does play into the whole thing that they know Claire was going to put the baby up for adoption and everything. Now, at this moment, they're sitting on kind of like an oddly shaped, like, dead tree or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Claire has now come across that in our present. So she knows she's near the hatch. And what do you know? They find uh, the Dharma station. It's abandoned. They... 
start finding other things. Kate finds costumes, other costumes. <laughs> she finds Mr. Friendly's beard and glue to apply said beard. <laughs> oh my god, he's a method actor. <laughs> and Kate, um, Claire finds the room that she was supposed to, that she had been in. She starts having another flashback. And this is the final one where they're getting ready to do some sort of surgery and where it sounds according to alex it sounds like they're gonna do a c-section yeah because then alex comes in is like i gotta get you out of here and claire's being resistant to it she's being very and alex is like no you like you will thank me later i need to get you out of here and basically kicking and screaming has to get claire out of there because they're gonna take the baby She's like, literally, they are going to cut you open and take your baby, which raises a lot of questions, <laughs> in all honesty, where it's like, why can't you just hang on to her until, like, the, the natural birth? Like, there are just as many risks with C-sections going on, my guys. Hey, there's only one person on the island who would be qualified to deliver that baby. Kate. Oh, I was going to say, we haven't met her yet. <laughs> Juliet. Uh, two people, three people, uh, Kate, Jack, and Juliet. <laughs> but one person with the others that's there. There's only one. Kate's not performing the surgery. And Juliet's clearly too busy doing stuff? Well, she's uh, uh, in her book club reading Carrie. She's too busy to help deliver the baby for the very pregnant lady who gives birth like what three days later a week later so what is juliet doing when this when they just just arbitrarily decide that they're gonna do a c-section look what is juliet doing juliet hasn't been invented yet <laughs> um, she doesn't exist yet she doesn't exist yet. <laughs> she hasn't come into being I really hope I like Juliet this second time around. I, I hope, hope so. I hope you do, too, because I love Juliet. I do, too. Like, I love that everybody I talk to loves Juliet, because, like, I don't understand that because I disliked her so much the first time around, and it makes me go, like, I was clearly too hard on her, so I really hope I like her this time around. You'll like her about as much as I like Anna Lucia. Anyway. That's not encouraging. <laughs> that makes me think I'm going to hate her. <laughs> so, well, I'm trying to be open-minded. <laughs> so what ends up happening is there is no vaccine left. And even if there was, was Claire just going to stick I mean, some random they're, drug they're in her labeled. baby? Yeah. They're not labeled. You don't know what it is. Are you going to, like, do the, the cop thing in, like, those crime procedurals where they stick their finger in the, in the, <laughs> the pile of drugs and go... Yeah, that's cocaine. You gotta make Jack do that. <laughs> Jack could do it. He'd be like, yep, that's vaccine. What's a vaccine for? All diseases. It's fine. So I'm a doctor. But <laughs> before Rousseau leaves them, because they walk to a certain point, and Rousseau's like, yeah, you're on your own. Claire tells her that Alex was good. She saved her. And they'll let Rousseau know that Alex was good. And Rousseau was basically like, I hope. Your baby's not infected. But if your baby is infected, <laughs> hope you know what must be done. Now, here's a question. Because ultimately, when they, they get into a little bit of a scuffle with Rousseau at some point, when Claire remembers that it was Rousseau who met her 
at a certain point when like Alex dropped her oh, off. Oh yeah, I've I've dropped. Uh, you're you're right. I've missed a big section of my notes here, <laughs> in which Alex brings her out into the jungle. Alex kind of has to get on, get. Yeah, kind of has to leave her there. But Rousseau comes upon her, and Rousseau ends up protecting her and saving her. Uh, she knocks her out and takes her to like a place closer to her camp, and this is where we get the memory of. Claire scratching someone. Now, I'm going to call shenanigans here. Okay. Like, I feel like, much like the beginning of this episode on the previously on, and much like we talked about kind of, I don't remember, we we were talking in a, a recent episode about a potential retcon. I feel like this is a retcon here because this this moment was the moment where Claire scratched Rousseau. And that's not the order of events as we sort of remember. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not a continuity error, but I kind of feel like it's a continuity error because the the implication is that like Claire like Rousseau was scratched up when somebody was trying to steal Claire's baby or apprehend Claire. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's not a continuity error, but like when we found out that Rousseau, cre- you know, when at the end of season one, Rousseau kidnaps the baby in order to try to appease the others to get Alex back, that like she was one, she was one of the people that terrorized Claire one of the nights that she was out. Because that's when Claire like scratched somebody, so I just yeah. I just feel like the order of events is a little mixed well, up. Well, I guess their argument would be that and, Claire's memories are mixed. Yeah, up. Claire, we're dealing with some, but we're dealing with an unreliable narrator. Like I, 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 I mean, I totally look, I get that. That I, that can be one hundred percent what they're going for, and still be a little like sloppy admittedly it feels kind of sloppy it's a little sloppy but i'm sure i mean that's that's the counter argument yeah and it feels a little sloppy to me i i definitely see the counter argument though but like just in the way that the the order of events are presented to us it feels really odd to have this revelation of like Oh no, Rousseau was actually looking out for your best interest and then like a week later decided I guess that she changed her mind and decided that your baby was worth stealing instead. <laughs> well, that was after she had a baby though. I don't know. Like I said, it just it feels weird. Like why help the pregnant lady back to like her people and then like arbitrarily decide 2 weeks later like yeah, I'm going to steal that baby. <laughs> I'm going to steal that baby. Baby. I don't know. I don't know. To me, it, it feels a little sloppy, but I totally understand the argument from the other perspective of, like, no, it was this, this, and this. Like, I get it. But, like, as it's presented to us, it feels more contrived than it does, like, a natural progression of, like, oh, this was it all along. Like, I don't it's know, it feels kind of It's also not a mystery we were wondering about. No, because, like, we knew that Claire scratched Rousseau and that, like, the implication was that it was uh, she was trying to steal her baby. The thing is, they don't even have to have scratch in this episode. No. That's why, 
That's why I don't know how much of it is like a retcon thing because why even do it then? Yeah. They, I don't know. I guess sometimes also when you're making a show, you think something's more important than it is, but I don't think anyone, I don't remember anyone talking, people were talking about a million things. I don't think, but we need to get to the bottom of when Claire scratched. Nobody cared because we got to the bottom of it at the end of last season. And then it turned out that that wasn't a fault, that that wasn't the actual answer. And that, like, this doesn't feel like good payoff for that, you know, because we thought that that question was already answered, you know? So. That being said, like, the thing I remember about this episode is Alex. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. remember the scratches in any capacity. Oh, I remember it, Alice. I remember that close-up of the actress's face yeah, right yeah. in the camera. I remember that. That leaves an impression, for sure. It left an impression, but it also left an impression because I'm like, oh, the girl from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> for sure. Um, so they get back to camp, and the fever is broken because babies get sick Claire. yeah the baby just got better you and, just gotta give it time and then claire is kind of the episode ends with claire kind of bonding with her baby which is nice because let's face it like she's been a reluctant mo- i mean she's been a mother but she's been a reluctant mother yeah. in a lot of ways but like um but yeah like it was really cute when she got the little knitted sock and she's like i made this for you when you were still in my tummy and yeah. i love you you know yeah. it was it was a very nice moment it's like, it's the first moment we really have of, of, I'm glad I didn't give you up for adoption. Well, because, like, when, when she's initially giving birth, she's like I, like, I can't do this, I can't do this. And Kate has to go, it takes a village, we're all going to help you. Yeah. And then, like, you know, she's a little clingy at first and, you know, um, is very reluctant to let other people help her because... You know, <laughs> she got kidnapped that one time. Um, but, you know, then can trust Charlie and Hurley and Sawyer to, like, take care of the baby while she's initially getting her rest after giving birth. And, like, there's been a lot of ups and downs ever since. Like, Charlie tried to steal her baby. Rousseau stole her baby. Like, there have been a lot of people who have tried to take this baby from her. And, like, even though she's always like, I want my baby back. Like, this is my baby. Like, you you people are hurting me when you're taking my baby from me. This is the first moment where she fully, like, acknowledges, like, I, I want, like, we are a family. Like, I'm going yeah. to take care of you. Like, mommy's here for you. So, there is another storyline in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boys. Oh, and, these silly, silly boys. And Locke and Jack... Or taking care of Ben, who's locked up in the armory. <laughs> Meanwhile, Saeed's like spilling the beans to other people while Jack <laughs> and Locke are keeping it on the DL. Like, we gotta keep this real quiet. And he's like, let me give you some light reading. Here's some Dostoevsky. <laughs> and Ben properly asks, you got any Stephen King? He's like, yeah, that's all I got. Can I, can I tell you something, Will? What? I just started Carrie. <laughs> really? I want to I want to finish it before we get to the start of season three. I wanna know why it's Juliet's favorite book. I've been I've been doing a lot of Stephen King reading reading anyway. Like I recently um, read The Mist and Misery. Oh, um, Misery's good. Misery's great. Um, so is The Mist. Um, I, I really love that Frank Darabont movie. It's so good. Oh, um, but like 
Uh, yeah, so I, I decided to start up Carrie, too, because it was like his first novel and stuff like that. Yeah. And I know they bring it up at the beginning of season three. So my goal is to have it finished before we start season three. So sorry, I just felt at like this, I, sh- I should share that with this you. right, we should. <laughs> um, and then Locke's talking about how they leave Ben and they, they lock him in there. And then Locke starts having some conversation that Jack did not give a shit about. About, like, oh, you know, Hemingway was always jealous of Dostoevsky and blah, blah, blah. And Jack just, like, so dismissive. It's like... You know Jack wasn't paying attention in his English lit classes. But it's like, <laughs> what are we doing here? What's the long-term plan? It's a fair question. It is a fair question. It is a fair question. Um, Locke goes, yeah, what's the long-term plan here, Jack? And Jack, I feel like, has an adequate clapback, which is, well, what's the long-term plan for the button lock? Yeah. We're just going to keep pressing it like crazy Desmond? Like, is that what you want for us? (laughs) And that's the thing. We're dealing with characters right now who have no plan. Yeah, and Locke, you know, we we love Locke. He's, He's a great character, but we brought this up when, like, they they initially, you know, uh, Mr. Echo provided the rest of the film strip. Um, prior to that moment, Locke was not... He, he was content not asking questions about their situation. He was just convinced, like, oh, the island will give me a sign later on down the line. And that's the thing, is that up until this point, Locke has been content to just keep pushing that button and waiting as opposed to investigating anything. Well, yeah. So. So it's nice to have him get called out on it. So later we see Echo chopping down a tree. <laughs> and needs a saw. So he goes into the hatch. And he sees that there's like a cot in the armory. He's and like, guys, and- I was an African warlord. I know when you're keeping a prisoner and trying to keep it on the DL. Meanwhile, Jack's got Ben <laughs> hiding in the bathroom with him or whatever. And Locke just is like, oh yeah, I'll get you that song. So Echo confronts Jack later and is basically like... I'm not stupid. <laughs> yeah, who do you have in there? Who is he? And Jack's like, what are you talking about? He's like, if you wanted to be discreet about it, you should have called Anna Lucia to dig a hole. <laughs> <laughs> so Echo Echo wants to speak to whoever this is mm-hmm. and Jack's like no and he goes well I'll, I'll tell everybody so Jack's like he's like okay. cool argument Jack counterpoint <laughs> hey everyone <laughs> so he brings Echo to the hatch and locks like oh you need any more tools and like no he knows Cut the, cut the crap. <laughs> this is silly. And they say, okay, you can talk to him. Be careful. He's smart and he's curious. And they say, if the alarm goes off, don't tell him what it's for. And then we have the second in this episode knock at the alarm and the button where Echo goes, 
what is it for? <laughs> Even I though mean, he watched taken, that in, that informational video. They're taking the piss out of the button. They really are. Because I feel like at this point, too, watching week to week, viewers are starting to get a little antsy. Yeah. And it's funny. I think I might have been at the time. I am not in the rewatch. No. Because, like, we're, because we're going at our own pace. Yeah. yeah. But when you... And also... You know, I feel okay. like we'd probably be getting antsy, too, if we were, like, binging it. Like, I feel like either going week mm. to week or binging, we'd probably be getting a little antsy. The other thing is this. When Lost had 22-episode seasons that started in September and ended in May, that's a lot to digest. Yeah. Where, you know, now you watch just 10 weeks of an HBO show or one day of a Netflix show <laughs> and you have it so it, it it was a different television landscape then it really was um so Echo goes and he asks oh, are they treating you well and he's like yeah yeah uh, it's great everything's great <laughs> super um, it's so fun this and Echo's great. like I've, I haven't been beaten in 24 hours it's, it's fantastic and Echo kind of defends him he's like look they're being careful and he starts talking about his first night on the island when he killed two men and how then he had to kind of felt he had to repent for that and he's telling because look echo knows that this guy is another yeah and he wants to unburden himself he wants to make this confession because like he's telling this person he they've ultimately echoes lived through this scenario before like you know they they mistakenly thought that I think the guy's name was Nathan, that, that they, they mistakenly thought Nathan was another when, in fact, it was um, Goodwin. And then, like, you know, they apprehend Jin and company, and they thought they might have been others, and that turned out not to be the case. So, you know, Echo sees this guy, and it's kind of like history repeating itself, where it's like, well, is this guy innocent, or is he another? And as you point out, like, Echo kind of sees, like... Based on my previous experience with this matter, you look like another. <laughs> yeah. And then Echo pulls out a big knife and cuts the two little things on his beard or the two little, I don't even know what you would call them, but the things of tufts of hair. That yeah. are, and he cuts them off. I guess this some sort of symbol. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. I mean, he killed two men. He's got the two things. I, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, maybe it's symbolic of letting go of, of that. That's all I could think things. of. I don't know. I was kind of going like, yes, Echo, kill him. Do it. Do it now. You will save yourself so much trouble. And he's now back on a righteous path, and he asks for forgiveness. And Henry Gale goes, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't kill me. So cut to the end of the episode or the end of the story in the mm-hmm. episode and he's talking about Ben's like oh is it true what you said about Hemingway and I do want to point out that when they were talking about the long term plan there was a really funny line you know like what are we going to do with him in the long term and you hear Ben yell from the room because he can hear everything that's going yeah. on how about you let me go yeah <laughs> and I I actually rewound that and rewatched it because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> um, and so it, it's it's very clear that he's been listening to literally every conversation that's been going on since he's been locked up. And Ben starts asking Locke 
questions, and he's like, hey, are you, so which one are you? Are you Dorsaski or are you Hemingway? Are you the are genius? You, or are you in the shadow of the genius? Ooh, why does the doctor get to call all the shots? And Locke's like, we make decisions together. Then he leaves the room, and he has a hissy fit. <laughs> now, like, come on, right? Okay. This, uh, is, a, well, this is a dumb Dummy, dumb, dumb move on well, John Locke's if, part, right? If we can't, and you see that look on Ben's face that he sees that he's like, gotten under his skin. Gotcha. Which even if you still weren't sure if he was another, you can buy that he's just like glad he got under his skin, even if he wasn't another. But he is another, so it's even more manipulative. Like that's the that's the most that's one of the most like overtly manipulative things I've ever seen anybody well, do it in a television you, show. Like, the only thing that would have made it more obvious is if he had a mustache to twirl while he well, said it. <laughs> if, if you don't mind if I wrap this podcast Ab- up. Absolutely. Because you've given me a perfect segue into the, ma- the Man in Black. And my Man in Black is that Locke is way too easily manipulated. Yeah. There is, I, I 100% mean, agree. Look, Locke is a sensitive guy. And Locke does have these buttons you could push, the don't tell me what I can't do kind of thing. But he's also a very smart guy. And he should know he's being manipulated and he should react. He shouldn't be smashing things. He shouldn't be... He's playing into Ben's hand. Yeah. In a way that I guess he will throughout the series, but... It was, like you said, it was so mustache twirly, and it was so manipulative, and it's the one thing in this episode I kind of bumped on. Literally, I just bumped the table. (laughs) You were so angry, you hit the table. But it's that I kind of bumped on. And it was that, oh, I don't buy that this late in the game, or at this point in the game, you would be falling for this shit. The, The John Locke that we know up until this point is smarter than this. And he's also, like, John Locke as a person has been putting up with a lot of shit from authority figures his entire life. He's got his agency back on the island. Why would he allow Ben of all? Like, I totally see him being manipulated manipulated by ethereal forces and otherworldly forces. I don't see him being manipulated by Ben Linus, you well, know? Well, I mean, though, he is manipulated by Ben Linus later in, in the series. In this but, way, in this yeah, particular in this way, manner. in this way, yeah, in this particular yeah. way, this early on, it no, just, I it didn't... Is, it is the promise of answers um, and, you know, access to those ethereal because... things that will allow Ben to manipulate Jock... John Locke in the future. I called him Jock for some reason. Um, but like here, just like, oh, why why does Jack get to say what's what? I mean, it's so and it it's should, so unsubtle. It should be a lesson that they, you know, that he should have learned from Sawyer a couple episodes ago. When people pit John and Jack against each other, everyone loses. That's a lesson that they learned from Sawyer like two days ago. <laughs> so so that is my That's man a good in black. man in black. That's what, a good man in black. What is your man in black? I'm gonna go with the even if it's not strictly a continuity error, I'm gonna go with the sloppiness of the reveal of Rousseau being the one to quote unquote save Claire. Just because the the way that information is presented to us feels forced and it feels even if it's not retconny even if that was the case all along and if it does technically line up it feels like a retcon and revelations 
you know, no matter what they are, shouldn't feel like retcons, you know? I agree. So that's my man in black. Um, my Jacob, I am going to go with, I like the structure of this episode. Yeah. I do like the, I like the editing. I like how we get into these, the, I like the way we get into Claire's memories and I like the style in which they tried to, uh, uh, fill those gaps in. I, I thought that was good. And at this point in the series, and eventually it's going to totally break out of its structure, but at this point in the series, any time there's a structural change, it is a bit of a breath of fresh air. Yeah, I mean, like, the the, the episodes about the tailies were, were great examples yeah. of that. And, um, and it makes the return to the formula in subsequent episodes, like, also a welcome, you know, well, it, it makes us appreciate the regular flashback episodes more, and it acts as a breath of fresh air when, when we get stuff like this, for sure. So what's your Jacob? Um, honestly, I'm gonna go... Can I go with two things? I'm gonna go with um, with one that scene with Kate and Sawyer because after several episodes of like borderline villainy, you know, and just general the, dickery, they needed this for Sawyer. Yes, it was so nice to see that return the the return of like that look in his eyes that goes, ah, damn it, no, this, like here, here, I'm sorry. We're back on the Sawyer charm offensive. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm gonna go with that, but also. I also appreciate any time we get episodes where it's like the ladies are out and doing stuff. And and you got three ladies. You got three ladies. You got Kate, Claire, and Rousseau, and they're out doing stuff. Nobody's sitting down and telling them, no, you stay here where it's safe. There's no boys getting in the, in the way I, of their stuff. Sisters are doing it. Themselves. I feel like this episode passes the Bechdel test. I wasn't actually paying attention to make sure, but I'm like, this feels like an episode that passes the Bechdel it test. It does. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so it's it's just one of those things where it's a little thing, but I wish there were more episodes where it's like, girls being girls being girls being girls. You know? <laughs> and I appreciate any moment where Detective Kate gets to shine. Um, so that is it for this week's episode. Megan, tell the people where they can find you. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T-H-E-M-E-N-G-U-I-N. I also have a YouTube channel called Silver Screams. And I do a uh, Rooster Teeth podcast where we talk about Rooster Teeth related productions uh, called Rooster Team Radio. Um, and yeah, uh, after... Probably a couple weeks from when this episode drops, uh, we'll be talking about Ruby in November. So that's going to be a lot of fun because Ruby Volume 7 is coming out. And you can follow me on Twitter at The Real Will Link. So, until next time, see you in another life, brother. Hey there, everybody. I'm Will Link of No Love Lost. With me as always... Megan Salinas. Hey, everybody. And we're here to talk to you about the podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. 
Uh, yeah, the podcast Jukebox Network has been super supportive of us as we venture back to the island. Uh, and so we just wanted to take a minute to thank uh, them and to let you guys know that you guys should be supporting the other podcast put on by this fantastic network. If you are enjoying No Love Lost, definitely give a listen to many of the other podcasts, far, many of which are far less vanilla than we are. Uh <laughs> Uh, uh, off the Cuffs, which is kind of the flagship show of the network. It is the BDSM kink podcast that kind of launched this whole network uh, off. You've got the Goth Librarian podcast. You have Being There podcast, a great storytelling podcast. You have The Queers Next Door, also on the network. Uh, proud to be Kinky. Uh, Drinks with God. And a little podcast that's close to my heart, Megan. What is that one called? Will Sean Podcast? Yeah. Will hmm. he? I don't know. Spoiler alert. Uh, not as frequently as usual. <laughs> but you should definitely subscribe to all these shows. Rate them. Listen to them on iTunes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, these are all fantastic storytellers. It's so important to be sex positive. So go support these other podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you like us, you might like them. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We're on the same network. <laughs> so yes, rate and subscribe to all these terrific shows. And don't forget to rate them all five stars. And also rate us five stars. Yeah, while you're at it, you're listening to us. Might as well give us a rating. <laughs> you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys.